Good morning. Take your, take your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, whatever you got. Go to Psalm 149. I'm going to be uh, using the NLT this morning, but they're all pretty close. So open your Bibles to Psalms 149. Thank you for allowing Sherry and I to have a couple of weeks off. That was nice. We went to uh, the Bahamas on a carnival cruise and went to Nassau, and it was 100 degrees and raining. It was not a place that I'd go back to. Um, it was interesting. Uh, while we were on the carnival boat, Sherry broke her foot. So um, she is with us this morning. Um, we managed to get her in the shower yesterday. She goes, if I can get a shower, I'm going to church. And so that's the kind of faithful wife that I appreciate is uh, she can't walk for 90 days maybe. And so uh, if you'll continue to lift her up in our prayers, I'd appreciate that. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would reveal to us the insights that you have from David so long ago that are still applicable to us today. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 149 starts off, it says, praise the Lord. I remember, amen, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's right. I remember my mom and dad were, I was raised with the vernacular of praise the Lord. And, and they said it almost rolled off their lips like um, other words do for people today. And, and the society that we live in, some potty words roll off people's lips. And I can't believe that I'm hearing it at Chili's or in Lowe's or around their kid or at a, at a kid's soccer game, the language. I can't believe it. I was so thankful to be raised in a home where praise the Lord was, was remembered and, and, and revered. I remember my mom used to go to the store and she'd get a good parking place. And what would she say? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't know. I know that God, in, in God's infinite wisdom and, and in, God's, in God's mind, he knows where all the good parking places are. All right? I, I, have to, I have to safely assume that. God knows the hairs on my head. All right, he knows where the good parking places are, but my mom would pray before she'd go to Staters or wherever it was she's going to, that she would get a good parking spot. And to her, the good parking spot was up front. All right, it was when we were little. All right, it was before the blue sticker handicaps. All right, and, and it's like if you got a good parking spot, she was really happy and she wanted that one in front. And she would always say, God's got a spot for me. All right, like that was important. What I thought was important was that we hit the cookie aisle. All right? That's the important part about going to Staters. The important part about her going to Staters was getting that good parking spot. That determined the, the whole shopping trip was the parking spot. And she'd say, praise the Lord. And, and it became almost secondary. And I don't think it was habitual or routine. I think that in their heart, they really did praise the Lord for the little things, for the average things that go along. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. In Psalm 149, we can back up one chapter, another Psalm of David, and we go to Psalm 148, and David tells us a little bit about what praises the Lord. In Psalm 148, and you can look at this on your own, David says that the heavens praise the Lord. The sun, the moon, and the stars praise the Lord. The clouds in the sky praise the Lord. We just uh, had an airplane trip to Jacksonville, and it was very... Sherry looked out the window and she said, it looks like cotton balls. When you're at 30,000 feet and you look down on the clouds, they look so surreal. It's like almost like you could just jump in them or little cotton balls. And it's amazing. Do you know that, that Psalm 148 tells us that God set those in place forever? The sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the firmament, the earth. 
is controlled by God. And he's the one that said it, and he's the one that sustains it. The oceans, the creatures of the depth, fire, hail, snow, the winds and the weather. We, we just went through uh, Snowmageddon. If you remember, now that it's 100 degrees in Apple Valley, there's not a lick of snow left. Went through the snow plow season of the just century, probably. And yet, God's in control of that. The snow, the fire, the hail, the mountains and the hills, the fruit trees and the mighty cedars, wild animals, livestock, squirrels and gophers. If you live, I live in Devor. All right, those of you that climb the hill on a regular basis know where Devor is. We have squirrels and gophers. I can't plant anything that the squirrel, and this year it's bunnies, and bunnies leave a hole in your yard like this big. All right, they're not messing around. It's a hole that you could roll, you could roll a golf ball down it and lose it easily. They praise the Lord. With their very existence, they praise the Lord. Birds. I'm a car guy. Okay, I, birds are okay. We, we just got back from, we were, a couple weeks ago we were in Big Bear at the zoo, at the Big Bear Zoo. They have some bald eagles. All right, that's pretty amazing. To see those bald eagles, that's amazing. But I'm not a big bird fan because birds and cars always have an issue. You probably know what that issue is. And I'm a car guy, so birds are not my favorite creature. But the birds praise the Lord. All of creation praises the Lord. Right up into humans, the, the pinnacle, the highest of creation, humans praise the Lord. It, it, Psalm 148 tells us that the kings of the earth by their very existence, praise the Lord. The rulers and judges, the governors, praise the Lord. The young and the old, praise the Lord. The male and the female, praise the Lord. The children, the children, praise the Lord. It's so good of us to come and bring our children to church where they learn to praise before they even know why. That's a blessing that we give our children that they will have the rest of their lives is knowing how to praise the Lord. Psalm 148.13 says, let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. His glory towers over the heaven and the earth. That's the preceding chapter. Now we'll get to our chapter. All right, in 2023, how do we praise the Lord? Sometimes it's difficult. Are you just like my mom and you just say praise the Lord to everything? All right, that's not a bad thing, I guess. You know, Sherry, while we were on our trip, she broke her foot. Breaking your foot on a carnival boat is nothing to get excited about. It, it's a vacation ender, only you can't go home because you're in the middle of the ocean on a boat. And in, in Jacksonville, the boats that run back and forth from Jacksonville to Nassau are the oldest carnival boats in the world. They go back to, I think, Columbus or maybe Magellan. I'm not sure. <laughs> These boats are antiques. And, and every place, I don't know if, you, if you're used to a carnival ship, but they have storm doors that they close about every 75 feet. There has actually doors that would close and block off a flooding place. And every one of those places has got a floor joist or a threshold. But these are so banged up from so many millions of feet that every 75 feet I had to turn Sherry around in the wheelchair and lift her up over those and turn her back around and go 75 more feet to get to another joist to lift her up and then... Guest service said, our boat is really highly ADA efficient. And it's like, no, it's not. This boat is terrible if you're in a wheelchair. The wheelchair doesn't fit through the door. Any door. So we had an issue. But, you know, in that issue, we found reason to praise the Lord. There were certain people that ministered to us while 
this is, uh, this is no way uh, a sponsor from uh, Carnival Cruise. I'm not uh, sponsored by them because I wouldn't accept it. I'm a little upset with them right now. But there were so many people on that, on that cruise that ministered to us and were a blessing to us that we found reason, even in her pain. And her foot was swollen up like a grapefruit. All right, it was, it was that she broke her number five metatarsal. And it's in a bad spot. It's a bad break. And so many people cared for us and ministered to us that we found a way to praise the Lord. But it was by choice. Do you know when you praise the Lord, it's by choice? It's not natural. All right, what's natural is for us to give into our flesh and go, oh, this sucks forever. I'm never coming back. I'm sick and tired. I want to go home. Well, I did want to go home. And the truth was is that our cruise was kind of over. But we found things to praise the Lord. We can praise the Lord in 2023 for Jesus and our salvation. All right, that is the ultimate thing that we praise Jesus for. The trials that improve our walk. Trials are going to come to us. Regularly, we have seasons of, of joy and happiness and everything's going our way. And we have seasons of trials. And those trials are usually allowed by God for our goodness to grow us, for opportunity to share Christ. We have opportunities every day to share Christ. And that's something that is praiseworthy. The persecution and slander for Christ's sake. Persecution. Sometimes it's slanderous for a godly assembly. We can praise God for a church that we can come to. Why do we come to church? I think one of the number one reasons we come to church is to praise him in the congregation. All right? We, we have a thing we call, we call this the worship team. All right? Actually, I think that's a misnomer. I think this is the praise team. All right? I'm called to worship God 168 hours a week. That's me. I'm called to worship God in all that I do every day, every minute of my... I live a life that worships God. And I can praise God by myself. But the only time when I can come together in the congregation and lift our voices together is here. And when we lift our voices together, and when we sing, even if you don't think you can sing, when we sing together and lift our voices, it is praise to God that's amazing. For godly spouse and family. I praise God for a godly spouse. And for a godly family. The praise of the Lord for the opportunity of raising kids in a godly way. In a messed up world. You know what? Parents with children have always thought this is a terrible place to raise kids in. But yet we reproduce and repopulate the earth and have kids. And we end up having a beautiful experience raising our kids. Because the world is always against faith. The world is always against its creator. But we can praise the Lord for the opportunity to raise children in this world that know Christ as their Savior and have a hope of making a difference in their society to come. We can praise the Lord for life. <sighs> Woke up breathing this morning. Amen? Yeah. What a blessing to get to wake up. I, I have a pastor friend that is suffering right now and, and his health is bad. And he's not even able to do his church. He, he's got folks coming in and, and, and it's depressing for him. It's a, little, it's a little excluding. He feels sidelined. And he knows he's probably not coming back from this. And it's hard for him to praise the Lord. But he finds a purpose to praise the Lord. And he prays for his congregation that he can't be with right now. And he asked me, he goes, I'm having a hard time enjoying this day. 
And he goes, you seem to enjoy every day. I go, every day is, is that I wake up, I'm happy. I'm happy to be awake. It doesn't mean that my life is perfect. I don't think I live a charmed life. But there's something about walking outside in the morning and looking at the hills and seeing the sunrise and having an opportunity to have another day to go around this planet. It's a blessing. And, and I don't know what to tell my friend. I didn't know what to tell my friend except to pray with him and to look at some scripture and Psalms that might encourage him in his walk right now. We need to praise the Lord for life. James 1 tells us, so don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. It's funny how James includes the brothers and the sisters in this, all right? Not often in scripture do we see the brothers and sisters. Usually it just says, listen, dudes, all right, which includes all the families and stuff. But here James says, listen up, brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down from God, our Father. Whatever is good and perfect comes from God, who created all the lights of the heavens. What do we just talk about? The heavens praise God. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. I don't know what a shifting shadow is. Do you? I, I figure I must have one because God doesn't, so I must. What is a shifting shadow? God never changes. God is always faithful to his character and to his word. Amen? Say it with me. God is always faithful, God is always faithful. to his character and his word. God is always faithful to his character and his word. He doesn't change his word. He doesn't change his character. He is always the same. And he said, I got you. He said, salvation is for you. God said in his word, you are secure in him by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's praiseworthy. That to me is the number one thing that's truly praiseworthy in my life. Is God has given me salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm so happy. I'm happy about that. It makes me happy every day when we do the Lord's Supper and we take the Lord's Supper, we do communion and, and we symbolize Christ's body and his blood and we take that as a remembrance. And, and I think sometimes churches and pastors want you to be sorry. We have to be more. There's, and you know, I've, I've done, it's very difficult for me as a pastor to do the Lord's Supper and get through it without having to collect myself. All right, I usually, it strikes me emotionally. All right, that Jesus would take that for me, that he would do that for me. And it's difficult sometimes. Sometimes I, you'll see me doing the Lord's Supper and I'll just pause because I'm trying not to break down and lose it because thank you, Jesus. But honestly, the day Jesus died on the cross was the best day of my life. That's the day that changed my life because he died on the cross for me. I'm happy. I have something to live for. I'm forgiven. I have salvation. And I know that that's praiseworthy. That I can have something to praise every day because I am saved. Oh, Israel, moving on. Oh, Israel, rejoice in your maker. Oh, people of Jerusalem, exalt your king. Israel understood Yahweh. They got him. They had the Torah. They knew about God. They knew about the creator God. They understood that God creates that God sustains, and that God gives and removes. I read recently, as of June of 2023, the educational leader of Israel has put the Torah back into public education in Israel. All right, that's a sign of something. I don't know what that means. All right, public schools are going to study the Torah again. Now, it says Bible, but I don't know if, I, I don't know if that's accurate or not because Israel doesn't buy into the New Testament. However... 
Putting the Torah back into public schools in Israel is huge. It's important to them. They understand their relationship with God. And Israel is instructed to exalt their king. Oh, people of Jerusalem, exalt your king. Exalt means to leap for joy. Woohoo! Victory! Like the Steelers won the Super Bowl! Yeah! How happy would I be? How happy would you be for me? You Marlins fans. Oh, that's baseball, sorry. Every other team doesn't matter to me. It's just a Steelers world. That's all it is. And we're going to be better this year. I read it on social media. We're going to be better. To jump for joy, to be jubilant, to be triumphant. Like we won. And, it, and David says here that, oh, people of Jerusalem, exalt your king. Not because of what he has done for them. All right, obviously, not all kings have done anything for the people. Not all kings were great. Not all governors, presidents, kings are great. It says to exalt him, not because of what he's done, because of who he is. Because the model of King Jesus. Who our, our king is, is Jesus, and he is praiseworthy. Because of who he is. But many believers in 2023 are waiting to praise God until something good happens for them. They want a blessing. And then they'll praise God. Right? We pray for stuff. I'll wait and see. I'll be happy if I get this. They think God's their genie. All right? If God does this for me, I'll be really happy. You know what? It's not about what God does for you. It's about who God is that we praise him. Because nothing escapes his plan. And what you think you need may be exactly what you don't need. All right, dear Jesus, give me those lottery numbers. That's what I need. Amen? You know what most lottery winners end up as? Wrecks. The money wrecks them. The money's the worst thing that ever happened to them. Don't give me the lotto numbers, Jesus, please. I don't play, so you don't have to worry about that. However, sometimes we pray expecting God to come through, and when he doesn't come through, we blame God. We want what we want, and when we get it, we praise the Lord. No, we want what we want, and when we get it, we praise ourselves. When we don't get what we want, we blame God. Isn't that more accurate? Isn't that more accurate the way the world is? The world blames God for everything they don't like, but when it comes to just sustaining life and creation and just being able to go around the sun one more time, they thank themselves for it. Look what I did. Look at what I built. Never about how God blessed them. Many believers want something and their praise is determined by a blessing. No blessing, no praise. You know, the Bible, I think, is clear in its instruction that, that what comes first is praise and then blessing. We praise God no matter where we're at in our lives, no matter what's happening. I promise you that's what the world sees. When the world sees us handling the blessings you've already got, instead of wishing for something that we don't have, it is definitely praiseworthy, right? Praise his name with dancing, accompanied by the tambourine and the harp. For the Lord delights in his people, he crowns the humble with victory. Salvation is another word there. He crowns the humble with salvation or victory. Joyful, jubilant, again, jumping with joy, jubilant, triumphant, is how we praise the Lord with dancing, dancing. 
I don't know why the Baptist church has got away. I wasn't born yet when Baptist churches decided we couldn't dance. The old joke, all right, I, I can tell you we're all adults, right? I can tell you the old joke is why don't Baptists believe in premarital sex? It could lead to dancing. I don't know why Baptist churches decided that we couldn't dance. I know that was kind of funny. Sorry, I digress. I don't know why we can't dance. I, I agree that dancing can be uh, in a nightclub when you've had too many and it's late. Perhaps dancing does have a sexual into a, a inclination towards it. But David danced before the Ark of the Covenant and he leaped for joy. And his little jealous wife was just jealous because she knew she should be out there dancing with him, but she didn't want to. Right? And David danced before the Lord, before the ark, when he brought it back into Jerusalem. He was so happy he danced. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a very good... I do like to dance with my wife sometimes. And it's nice when we're at a wedding or something. I don't know. But, um, I mean, I can do the washing machine. Right? Or the mashed potato. All right? I, I think sometimes... That's all I know, okay? And I, can't, I can do the washing machine, but I can't get my feet to go with it. All right? So, but, but sometimes when I'm in my study or when I'm in my car or when that beautiful song comes on that my favorite, especially a praise song, I start doing a little bit of washing machine. All right? Nobody's watching, right? But it's, it thrills my heart. It brings me so much joy that I praise God and I have to move a little bit. It makes me so happy to hear that song and to praise God in song that it makes my feet want to shuffle a little bit. Even though my feet don't shuffle the way I want them to shuffle when I dance, I'm a terrible dancer. And I sing. That's why God made Spotify in cars. Because you can sing as loud as you want and nobody cares. If, if, if you're in your car going down the freeway, nobody knows. Okay? If you got your head, if you got your earbuds in and you're in line at Winco. All right, and you start singing like you're in your car, all right, you're probably going to get checked out faster. All right, they may move you up to the front of the line, right? Can you imagine going around in public and singing the way you sing in your car? All right, however, that's kind of what it's like because we're so happy. We're supposed to praise the Lord with dancing. Probably done 100 or more funerals. All right, funerals are something that pastors just do. All right, I've done funerals of Sid's babies, of young people. I just, three weeks ago, I buried my son's, my, my friend's son, 30 years old. It's hard. Young people, I buried old people. I've done a funeral of a 103-year-old person, all right, of, of babies, people that have been killed, tragically, people that have died from disease, I've done funerals of people who have committed suicide. Those funerals are tough. The biggest delineation for pastors in funerals is doing funerals of people who were saved and who were unsaved. That really is my biggest delineation. It's not easy doing funerals, all right? Sherry says I do a great funeral, all right? I suppose I have practiced. My heart is always in it. Every single one of them takes something out of me. I, I want to do a funeral the way that I'd want my funeral done. Nobody says anything stupid, right, about me. All right, so I try and, and bring that respect to a funeral. But in all the funerals I've done, all of them, I've never seen anybody dancing. Never at a funeral. 
my, my friend's son that passed away three weeks, I did his service three weeks ago. Afterwards, they're not believers, and, and I've, I've had an opportunity to minister to my friend, I hope. But afterwards, um, the reception was at a tavern and a grill. And I went because um, I'm supposed to, but I don't usually go to bars and taverns. That's not where pastors should hang out at. But um, Sherry and I went because it was after the funeral, and I knew they were having barbecue. And the person that barbecues this, I know. And I'd go a lot of different places besides just a bar to get to that barbecue, all right, because it, it was good. So we went, we had some barbecue, and Sherry had a Diet Coke, and I had a Red Bull. And then it was time for us to go. And... and they were doing a lot of drinking. And usually at that tavern, when they do a lot of drinking, they start doing a lot of dancing. But there was no dancing at that funeral because it's a sad occasion and you don't necessarily dance at a sad occasion, do you? I've done weddings. Oh my gosh. I, I tell Sherry, I think I'd rather do a funeral than a wedding. A wedding is tough, man, because there's always a bride's mom, a mom, a bride, a coordinator. I, I mean, weddings are tough, okay? But weddings, there's always dancing. There's always dancing at weddings because people are happy and they're joyful. And I like it because it's one of the few places I can go and get to dance with my wife. I like dancing with her. And she likes dancing with me even though she knows I'm a terrible dancer. The fact that I'll dance with her means more to her than how well I dance, right? So the situation sometimes determines how joyful we are. And this says, praise his name with dancing, accompanying with the harp and the tambourine. If you have talent, if you can play something, if you are a skilled musician, you need to take part of that and put it towards praising the Lord. Our team up here is amazing. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate you on the piano. It's like I, I could listen to him play all day. All right. I know that I, I don't know about that. I have a, I have a pastor who is I have a pastor for a good friend pastor that is a accomplished guitarist. And and he his dad builds guitars. All right. That's pretty impressive. I mean, he's got custom built guitars from his dad and, and he pray, he plays really well on stage. And but I've also heard him play ACDC and a little bit of Zeppelin. All right. And, and he pray. He doesn't play everything he plays isn't necessarily spiritual, but he takes that time. Part of it he just plays for him. Sometimes he'll just sit down and just start making up songs. All right, but he also brings his guitar into worship and uses a talent that he has to praise the Lord. Not all of us can play anything, all right, but I play Spotify. All right, that's my instrument, all right? I can play Spotify and use it to praise God. I can bring that to me and praise the Lord in it. Because, right, Bo, I got no talent to play nothing. All right, I feel like if I'd taken all my years of college and all my years of seminary and everything that I had all put together, I think I might have, instead of that, accomplished one piano lesson. I really have always wanted to learn to play the piano. But I'm getting a little old, long in the tooth. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to be able to be a pianist. But that's what I'd like to do. But that requires practice and time and patience. I'm probably not getting there, but I can praise God with what I got. And I have a voice that's given. And here's the thing. God expects his people. God cherishes. God relishes when God's people act like people instead of a stick in the mud. Well, I'm not going to sing. No. 
I don't even, I, I, God didn't bless me with me. God gave you the voice he has and he loves to hear it. He gave you that voice. I know you don't get up on stage. Right? You notice that I come up on stage when all the talented people have left. All right? That's okay because I don't have that voice. I have this voice. You have a voice that God gave you and he loves to hear you sing his praises. If you have talent, you need to use it. God loves to see his people being people. He doesn't think you're a bad dancer or a bad singer. He thinks it's beautiful when you play for the Lord. For the Lord delights in his people. He delights in us. And let me tell you something. Salvation is worth a five-minute dance party. Don't you think? Even if it's in your bedroom or your kitchen or your car, wherever you are, salvation is worth praising about. Let the faithful rejoice. Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie in their beds. Believers ought to be ready, ready to praise God all the time. Believers ought to be able to praise God no matter where they are, in the morning, in the evening, at work, at rest. I was in Lowe's not too long ago, and I, I heard a, somebody humming a familiar tune. And I stopped, and I went, how great is our God? Right? You, go, you know the tune? How great is our God? And I walked around the aisle, and it's a dude with a blue vest on that works at Lowe's. And he's praising God with a little hum. All right? I don't know what Lowe's would think about if he started singing out, How great is our God! Click, 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 click. Start to Sing with me, how great! Click, 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 click. If he started singing out loud at Lowe's, I don't know how Lowe's would feel about that, but I'll tell you, there's nothing that they can object to when he's just humming a little tune. All right? Whistling. Isn't it nice when you go into Lowe's and you hear a guy that's working there that's whistling and praising the Lord? You know what it makes me want to do? Buy stuff from Lowe's. I already went in there with, with the intention of spending more money than I wanted to, and now I'm going to really put money because, man, Sherry, you wouldn't believe that the guy was in there whistling, how great is our God, and I just had to buy these parts because I felt so good. Right? What a testimony to us from a guy who works at Lowe's that's just whistling a little tune, how great is our God. What does that say to me? What does that say to the world? No matter where we are, we should be ready to praise the Lord. In the morning and in the evening, many society, and in our beds. This is a funny thing because uh, Sherry and I seem to get the most accomplished in uh, the strategy of our family over pillow talk. I mean, pillow talk is what makes those families go around. Those of you, us that are married or been married for, Sherry and I have been married 31 years. That's, that's not a long time in this church, but it's a long time. We have had the best laughs, cries, strategy, laying in our beds. Well, bed, I and mean, we sleep together. <laughs> you know, that's a precious time. And some societies live on couches, all right? At the first century, Jesus reclined at the table. You know what it was? Like a couch. I was raised in a home where... My mom, I'm an only child, so it's just me and mom and dad, my dog. All right, but mom set the table every night. All right, and it was a little four-seater table, but plates, forks and knives on the left, on top of the napkin. All right, it wasn't fancy. My mom didn't even have matching silverware, all right, which drove me crazy. It still drives me crazy. Why I can't keep matching silverware in my house. I'll buy 80 forks, 
and throw away all the oddballs, and they keep coming back. All right, why can't I have matching silverware? But my mom, every night, would set, we'd eat at the table. All right, um, Sherry's family, um, was, she was six of them in a small house, and the table was the storage for everything that didn't fit in the kitchen, all right, because the kitchen was tiny, right, and all this food came out of the kitchen. And, and so Sherry's family was raised on TV trays, all right, in front of the, uh, you're, you're looking weird, but I know I was there, all right, and, and, and different, and so we merged this together, and now, if I can get my family to sit down around a table, I know how to set the table, because right, my mom taught me that. So I'll set a nice table, and sometimes the family will come and sit around. But basically, we just eat on the couch in front of the TV. All right, I'm the cook at home. I'm, I'm not a chef, but I am a cook. And so I'll prepare the food and bring it to Sherry, and we'll sit on the couch and, and watch TV. Or sometimes we'll leave the TV off, and we'll sit on the couch and just talk. But we are kind of like first century, like Jesus and the disciples. We're, we're reclining at the table. Yeah. Different people have different customs, and, and we can praise God no matter where we are, whether we're resting or awake or in bed. But the problem is is sometimes many believers go to bed, and they can't go to sleep. They're worried about stuff. They're resonating over stuff that happened to them. I'm that way. I'll lose sleep over what happened to me today. Sometimes I lose sleep over what happened to me 10 years ago. That resonation just goes on and on and on. And somebody offended me. Or maybe I offended somebody. Or maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I lost money. Maybe I said the wrong things or somebody said the wrong things to me. And I'm losing sleep over it, right? Am I the only guy that's up at night losing sleep over stuff? Say amen. Amen. It is an anxiety-driven world, and the enemy would like us to lose sleep over this because people who lose sleep are not at their best. And David tells us here, let them sing for joy as they lie in their beds. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if we just hummed a little hymn while we were laying in bed and having anxiety if I turned that into praise? My anxiety my fear, my worry about stuff I can't control, I can turn that into praise. I can sing a little praise song. Maybe my wife won't like it. Maybe she'll join in. Maybe I ought to pick a song she knows. What if believers concluded their day with praise? What if we ended our day with praise? Maybe that would help us sleep better at night. How to praise? We kind of turn the corner here In this verse, it says, let praises of God be in their mouth and a sharp sword in their hand. We need to remember that this psalm is written for us, not to us. Okay, always interpret the Bible like it's written for us, but not to us. David was writing this psalm to Israel. To Israel, who was at battle and was at war, and David was constantly being attacked. David wrote this, let the praises of God be in their mouth and a sharp sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nation and punish the people to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains to execute judgment written against them. That's an odd verse to have right here in the middle of a verse to praise God, isn't it? We have to remember that David used Psalms as part of his battle cry. He used the Psalm as part of his his prayer before the Lord before he entered battle. And uh, Psalms 108 and Psalms 91 are David's battle cries. You should read them. They're awesome. 
But there's been great kings and great battles all through history. And the Christian life really is a two-edged sword, isn't it? How's this apply to us, Doug? Am I supposed to go out and slaughter the kings and put them in chains? No, you're not. But we can always apply this to the Christian life. The Christian life is a life of adoration and, and goodness and conflict. And that's a two-edged sword. We have good days. We have bad days. Can we praise God in both of those? That's what David is essentially saying here. Whether at war or at peace, I'm praising God. Let the, let the, the voices out of Israel praise God no matter what's happening to us. In each case, it's best to give praise. Right? The worst day. Paul and Silas in Acts 16 is a perfect example. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas had been jailed, beaten with rods, whipped with whips, and put into stocks. And they were moaning and complaining about it all night long, right? No, they were singing praises. They were singing praises. You know why they were doing that? Because they considered an opportunity to be punished for God, praiseworthy. You wonder why else? I think made them feel better. That, that grief and suffering turned to praise made them feel better. And they were praising God. And the jailer was like, what? He didn't say what's wrong with these guys. He said, what's right with these guys? Oh my goodness, there's something really right with this guy. The power of the gospel is sharper than all the weapons of the world. No matter what comes against us, that power of the gospel, the worries of our day can, can deter genuine praise from our lips. All the things we worry about. Somewhere we have to find a conclusion that we're going to give those to the Lord and praise him. Even if our situation doesn't change. Paul and Silas did not expect to be delivered from the stocks. They were going to praise God anyway. Were they? Yes, they were. But did they expect that if we sing praises, we'll be out of here in eight minutes. Watch, set your watch. All right, Paul and Silas never thought they were getting out of prison. They expected to die there. But they were going to praise God anyway. Do we heap? Sometimes we take this, I guess we could take this to our governors and our leaders and our rulers. All right, is it our position to put them into chains and fetter them and shackles and iron to execute judgment on them? Um, that's not the point of this to us. The point of this to us is to realize that God's in control of all of that. No matter what you think, and I don't really care how you vote next year. All right, I, I'm not sure how I'm voting next year. All right, I don't really care. What I care about is that you realize that God's in control. He's in control of everything. I don't care how you're going to vote, but sometimes Christians spend more of their energy on politics than we do on Jesus. We are not electing King Jesus. He is King Jesus, whether you vote or not. That's not changing. We just came back from Jacksonville, and, and they elected a new, a new mayor, and it was in all the news. And, and, and she's the first female mayor elected to Jacksonville. And, and people were so excited, and it was on the news every day. And, and, and I, found, I, I watched her thing, and I kind of liked her. So we checked into the hotel, and the hotel clerk loved her. Oh, my gosh. She's sick. Mrs. Deegan is the mayor of all mayors. She'll change everything. And then we got in our Uber, and our Uber driver hates her. And I thought, well, that's interesting. All right, right now she's voted one to one, all right? I guess she needs two to win. 
I thought it's interesting that sometimes we praise more accolades on the governor and our president and our mayor than we do on spiritual things. Christians, as long as you have the privilege in America to go vote, go vote. Vote your conscience. I'll never tell you from this pulpit how to vote. I'll tell you to vote against abortion because that's sin. And if you have an opportunity, we just lost an opportunity last year when Christians didn't in California and didn't go vote and abortion lost, won. And we lost that because believers didn't go vote. Believers have a privilege to go vote. Go vote. But don't spend as much time praising that as we do praising God because our spiritual, our spiritual praise is as relevant as our vote and yet we worry about our vote way more than whether or not we've been in the word enough today. So what about all this? What's our application, Doug, taking this home? What am I supposed to take home with this about slaughtering kings and fettering this and doing this? Let me tell you something about the king of your heart. The king of our heart. Who sits on the throne of our lives? Who sits on that throne? Because I wrestle with that all the time. Is it me? My flesh, my old man that's sitting on the throne, or am I giving over to Jesus on the throne? And it's a constant battle, isn't it? His way or my way? And do we bind the desire to rule our own lives and fetter that? All right, it says that the kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains. Do I take that natural man inside me and bind it and make Jesus the king of my heart? With the correct king in our hearts, life can be full of praise. And when life is full of praise, people will see that that king is in control of my life. And the legacy that we leave will be others who are influenced and affected by our life of praise. When we praise, people see it. We live a life of praise by putting on joy when things are not well. By praising God when we don't get a parking place. I forgot to tell you about my mom. All right, she considered any parking spot she got praiseworthy because it was better than the other one that's further out. All right, maybe she didn't get front row, but she got second row. Praise the Lord, because it's better than the third row. If she had to go to the third row, she'd praise the Lord because it's better than the fourth row, right? Is it better than not having Jesus? Going through life with Jesus is better than anything else. Even if you got to park in the back, it's still better Knowing our lives has affected, uh, knowing that our lives have, have affected others for Jesus is praiseworthy. This passage ends with, this is the glorious privilege of his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. This is the glorious privilege that we, through our praise for the Lord, have an opportunity to make things relevant to Jesus for others. People see that. They read you like a book, Christian. If you're all upset about everything, nobody's going to listen to you about Jesus. If you're praising the Lord, they'll want to know what's right with you. Right? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look at this word. Lord, I pray that we'll take home with us an attitude of praise. That we can truly live and honor you with our lives and with our words and with our music and with our, our actions and all that we do. If you're here today and you haven't met Jesus, you don't have any praise in your life, you don't have a reason to praise, I'd love to show you our Savior. I'd love to introduce you to Him. I'll be right here at the end of this. While they sing, 
If you want to come and talk to me, if you want to go to this pastor's study, ask any usher where it's at. They'll show you right there.